What a remarkable run for Adam Zanardi. I mentioned earlier in the race that the season has gotten off to a quiet start. But now he has worked his way patiently through this field, through all the chaos, all the drama. Once more through the hairpin with this crowd screaming as one. He has done it again. The checkered flag waves and Alex Zanardi back-to-back -back wins in Long Beach. And now for Dinner with Racers, presented by Continental Tire. With your hosts, Ryan Eversley and Sean Heckman. Placeholder Radio And welcome to Dinner with Racers. I'm Sean Heckman. I'm Ryan Eversley. And uh, hey, you know we got that uh, TV show? We sure do. It's on uh, on that Motor Trend. Got that Motor Trend Plus? So if you go to Motor Trend Plus, if you love paying for streaming services, then Motor Trend Plus has a ton of cool automotive content. They've also got YouTube. Yeah, you can go check out their YouTube page, which is youtube.com forward slash Motor Trend Watch. Look up Dinner with Racers. And in this case, we have all sorts of fun things from the Long Beach Grand Prix. So this summer, we put out our uh, third season of uh, Dinner with Racers, including a two-part Long Beach episode. And this podcast is more of the extended interviews with some of the folks that we featured. We got to meet all sorts of people from the top to the bottom, people that do the ticket sales, from people that put the walls together to make the race happen, to the people that market the entire thing. So it was a real plethora of people and how that whole entire event comes together to be one of the biggest events in motorsports. You can't have the Grand Prix of Long Beach, of course, without construction, right? Did you know that? I learned that. So you know who hates me? <laughs> Everybody on that on that <laughs> construction team. <laughs> the guys who just wanted to do their job and there's some camera asshole walking around them all the time? At three in the morning, you're standing there with the camera. They're like, come on, man. This is, I'm like, I'm half awake. I'm trying to get this done. Who was the ringleader to this? That would be Mr. Dwight Tanaka. Dwight Tanaka and his son, Jake, are instrumental parts. And look, whatever Dwight thinks of me, I respect the hell out of him yeah. because Dwight makes this race happen. Yes, absolutely. It was incredible the amount of people we spoke to from top to bottom, left to right, that are involved with this race all of them would say Dwight Tanaka is the guy I've never met such a big operation that one person had so much understanding and information about from the top of it to the bottom. It's really impressive. And Dwight's son, Jake, is also part of it. Of course, he grew up with it because his dad has been doing this for decades. But Jake is now a pretty instrumental part of the construction himself. He leads a crew. He's a real guy on the ground on the whole thing. And so it's a really cool kind of father and son duo. Dwight from sort of the senior role and Jake from a boots on the ground standpoint. And they both just work really well and really hard. And so you're not going to get a better true understanding of how this race physically comes together than you're going to get from these two guys. If you're not really aware what the Long Beach Grand Prix is, let's say you're a dirt racing fan or something like that, these guys are building a racetrack once a year in the middle of one of the most populated areas of Southern California. So the work that's required to go into it and the logistics and understanding of everything is really remarkable. And these guys were able to teach us what that's all about. But of course, we could not do this without uh, two things, really. One, there is a, even though I live 10 miles from right from there. I still needed somebody to fly out here and drive me. Because, exactly. Because I'm just that way. Yeah, I get it. Who was that, Ryan? That was Mr. Fast Renee Rast. I have no idea where I'm going. And uh, what kind of tires got us there? That would be Continental Tires. Cross Contact LX Speech. Thanks, Acura. Meow. All right, we're going to start in five, four, three, two. Where should we should we where should we start? You know what you want. I to know do. what I want to do. Yeah. All right. I say this with love. Um, all right. Within the Grand Prix staff, <laughs> which person would you say has been the biggest challenge to get a hold of? 
Are you asking us together? Or are you? Yeah, asking I'm asking us either one. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. see who answers first. Yeah. Probably me. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna be all right. We're gonna be all right. So, I don't blame him. His phone is constantly on. Well, yeah. so, no, yeah. but th- this is this is where we're going. Is that <laughs> like so? So far in the process of constructing, uh, I'd say Dwight is the least on board. Would you say that's an accurate statement? I would say that. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but here's the thing. I like as much as it's coming at our expense. I'm going to defend you uh, because like <laughs> this event lives and dies on you doing everything that it is that you do. Uh, no, don't shake your head. It's yeah, f-ing true. Yeah, before uh, we got online, I was like, you you have to tell everybody you work with to not tell everybody this because everyone has said the same thing. Like, who runs the show? How does this event happen? I'm like, oh, Dwight. Like, yeah. no question. Yeah. So shake your head all you want, but everybody's <laughs> yeah. and then everybody's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. They are. Everyone's wrong. <laughs> okay. Sure. And they're all fired. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but no, like this, I mean, uh, you know, Jake and, uh, Jake and our group have spent some time together watching what Jake does, but you are the man of mystery in the entire complex that is the Grand Prix Association of Long Beach. And my read is because everything lives and dies on you, whether you admit to it or not. And a video crew or a phone call from a video guy is just one more goddamn thing you don't need to deal with. Correct. Yeah. Yes. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and similarly, like you're so focused on what you're working on that like there's a change in schedule or a change in planning. Reaching out to us is one more goddamn thing you have to deal with. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. So we, we get it. <laughs> we totally get it. Jake, correct? We're a pain in the ass. Am I going to get fired for this? No. Yeah, that's true. all right well on that note we're done yeah Um, yeah perfect yeah easy so uh this you're a father-son duo uh because uh, dwight you've been part of this i want to say almost since day one it's not entirely accurate but you've been there since very early on december of 76 okay yeah so when they were at their least profitable point that's true yeah you came on and Mm. and re-steered the ship Mm. Well, I don't know about restarting We're the ship. We're going to say you did it. So, so yeah. uh, <laughs> now it was, uh, I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. And how do, uh, why do you say that? Well, uh, at the time I was a, uh, I worked for the California Department of Forestry. Oh, okay. And uh, as a, uh, working for the Department of Forestry, you basically work 72 straight hours and then you're off uh, 96 hours. Yeah, okay. So you got and the first part of that here. All right. So yeah. most of us, <laughs> most of uh us who were in the uh, Department of Forestry uh, had second jobs or okay. we right. had private businesses that we because you have those ninety six right. hours to make more money. So I had started up a, a trucking company. Okay. And uh, at the time, back in the seventies, there was a uh, government programs in place, you know, for minorities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, number one, that's how I b- became a, a state forest ranger, and then that was how I was able to start the trucking company. Okay. Uh, on sort of the minority-owned platform. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right. You know, the government contracts, They, you know, at the time they had to have at least 10% of them during the year that were going to be uh, basically uh, uh, approved and given to uh, minority-owned companies. Mm-hmm. And uh, I happen to be a minority. Uh, but uh, uh, a friend of mine uh, who uh, was working for the Grand Prix at the time, he was the director of operations at the time, uh, he had asked if I could do some trucking for him. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I said, sure, wouldn't be a problem. And uh, 
that's how I became part of the, the Grand Prix. So you're uh, not some like lifelong race fan that grew up going to Yeah, I, I, I am a long, lifelong race fan. I used to race. I used to own a Top Fuel Funny Car oh, back, cool. back in the uh, 70s. I yeah. used to drive it. Uh, I wasn't any good. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, that's why I'm doing this. <laughs> right. But uh, no, it, uh, I've been uh, involved in racing uh, since I was a teenager. Okay. Was that a family thing or just something you always liked? No, something that I, I liked. Yeah. So. Yeah, because you grew up right here in this part of the, part of the w- country, right? Right. I was born in Long Beach. Yeah. Uh, and I was raised in Orange County. Uh, we moved to Orange County, like I, I stated a little earlier, before there was a Disneyland. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at the time, there was 11,000 people in the city of Anaheim, so it was very rural, very rural. Yeah. But drag racing, especially like Pomona being one of the, the big headliner places around here to drag race, it's not surprising that someone like yourself would be into it, right? Yeah, well, at the time, there were a number of drag strips in the yeah. area. There was uh, Irwindale, there was uh, Lions mm-hmm. right here in Long Beach, mm-hmm. there was Orange County, uh, and then, of course, uh, Pomona, and then also at Ontario. Yeah. So there were a number of drag racing facilities here locally. Yeah. So American Graffiti, which one were you? I was, uh, <laughs> I. Harrison Ford. Were you Harrison I'd Ford? I'd love to be Harrison Ford. Yeah, right. <laughs> or just say Harrison Ford. Yeah, yeah. No one's going to know. Yeah. Yeah. So you had a friend that was working for the Grand Prix and they asked you to do some trucking. What was, what was the job? Like moving equipment back and forth? Yeah, exactly. Uh, moving the, the safety system, mm-hmm. uh, the equipment that the Grand Prix owned at the time, which is far less than what they own right now. Yeah. Uh, but uh, no, it was uh, it was moving K rail, mm-hmm. fencing materials, some bridge stuff, and that was it. If that job had been offered to you, but it wasn't related to the Grand Prix, would it have been an interesting thing for you, or would you probably not have done it? No, I would have probably done it. Yeah. Uh, again, there was uh, money in it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you know, it was uh, it, w- it was actually different. But yeah. at the time, in, in the trucking company that I had, we were involved in, in doing uh, government work too, uh, which uh, was. A little different. Jake, what was your first memory of this race? I don't know. I've been yeah. coming here ever since I was born. Right. That's kind of my head. So when I were you born? May 5th. So I know my mom was pregnant with me here. Oh, yeah. When, <laughs> oh, yeah. So, sounds yeah, like you got I in was, trouble. I was in the womb <laughs> when they were at a race. Yeah, so yeah. I was hearing the sounds of race cars. Right. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I honestly couldn't tell you. I've been coming here so many probably five years old. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Maybe that was my earliest memory that I can remember of running but literally around. Literally, your mother pregnant was at the racetrack, so this has been your life yes. since since basically day one. Yeah, pretty yeah. much born at the track. Yeah. 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 He even had an emergency route to get her out just in case that she went into Oh, birth. so like in, in what year was this? 1989. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. April of 1989, she's what, eight, nine months pregnant at this point? Eight months pregnant. Eight months eight pregnant. Months. Yeah. Why is she at the track, first of all? But second, so you had to have like a whole planned escape <laughs> yeah, route in, in case, case something went we bad? We did. Yeah. Wow. We did. Why is she there? She wanted to be there. Okay. Uh, it, was, uh, it was strange in that uh, everybody was actually poking fun at her. It was, it was actually <laughs> right. funny to see because she'd right. walk from light pole to white light pole and have to lean up against it right. and rest. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. 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 But uh, no, nah, it was. Uh, she enjoys the races. Okay. Uh, we met here at the races. So oh, okay. Uh, but I got to know this. Yeah, how that happened? Uh, she actually works in uh, one of the buildings okay. uh, that uh, basically uh, sits alongside the, the Grand Prix circuit. Okay. And uh, they, uh, I used to watch her come out of the building, and uh, that's how we met. We You're met like, in the I'm parking gonna make lot. my move. Uh, yeah. 
Okay. Now, were, you, were you on like a tractor or a forklift? Like, hey, no, how you doing? No, no, no. 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 Want to take a ride on my big yellow tractor? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> You've used this before. Yeah. That was way too comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What was I got another? Uh, uh, was there a Dwight game? Do you know what game is? No. The phrase game. Game is like how you talk to a lady. Oh, was no. there Was well, there a game? Yeah. My my line was, I've got race credentials. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. okay. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah, I can get you in. Yeah. I would never do such a thing. No? <laughs> Thinking of when I was a teenager, there's no way in hell I was going to do what my dad did. You know what mm. I mean? Just that angst-ridden 15-year-old. Mm. No, no, no. I'm going to go a totally different route. When you were a teenager, were you completely anti-Long Beach? No. I mean, I would. he would take me to work. I don't know if that's the right thing to say, but, it's yeah, it was kind of like child okay. yeah, like child labor. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. No, this but is adding up. I remember yeah. – him working, especially after the race, because they had a lot more to do. They were still doing just like the pedestrian fence. They were doing everything. Right. So after the race, he would actually have me help him cut fence down, roll fence up. <laughs> and you're how old? Uh, at the time? Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. Probably eight. Yeah. Nine, yeah. Ten, <laughs> eleven. That sounds right. like my childhood. Yeah. yeah. I was yeah. like, go clean those wheels. Yeah. yeah he would let know? me, you know, drive the forklift. Like I would sit in his lap, and oh. we would just, you know, do <laughs> the cool. Thing. Never on the clock though. <laughs> Never. This is at home. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was cool, but it's edited. Don't worry. It's also been it's been ten years. It's been more than ten years. I think yeah. Say. Yeah. No. I think he would never do that today. I, obviously. I bought him his own tool belt and tools. Oh. Nice. At what age? Depot. I had, had to have been six or seven. Yeah. Nice. From Home Depot. But that was yeah. just because you didn't want to let him borrow yours at that point. You're like, here's your uh, own stuff. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't mess my stuff up. Jokes on him. What's happening now? I borrow all your tools. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't use them. So yeah. I'm going to use them. Yeah. So you've been, I don't know, how long have you been officially on the payroll, Jake? Ten... 10, 11 years. Mm-hmm. Okay. 11 so years. since basically since your late teens. No, 21, I think. Okay. 20, 20, yeah, 21 or 20. Okay. 20 years old. I was officially. officially even if you were working since you were six years old. Yeah, no, <laughs> 20 years old. I remember the very first conversation you had, you and I had on the phone. I was like, do you want to be, like, do I reference your dad as your dad or do I reference him as Dwight because you're working for your, you know, a couple layers under your dad. Uh is there is that ever been a thing? So when we're on the job site, I'd yeah. refer to him as Dwight just to sure. keep it professional. Right. But I know that he's my dad. He <laughs> may treat me a little differently because I'm his son, and I yeah. might treat him differently because I'm his dad. Or he's my dad, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I don't try to say that in front of everybody. Yeah, you know, hey, Dad, do right. this because then it just looks <laughs> yeah or sounds awkward. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. So, exactly. But, well, yeah. it almost like you're you're. I would argue watching you, you you're good at your job, and in a weird way that can almost mean it. If you're all of a sudden you're Dwight's kid as opposed to the guy that's actually getting it done. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so like go figure, kind of. Oh, that's <laughs> Dwight's son. Go no, because you like being on camera. No, I don't like. You me. don't mind being on camera. <laughs> I mean, you deal with it. I deal with it. I do what I have to do. <laughs> I don't like doing a lot of things. I just deal with it. Right. Right. Uh, all right. Well, let's uh, let's jump in. So yeah. basically, we've got like a list of mm-hmm. kind of things we want to cover. So. A big part, since we can only do these kind of dinners with some, we can't do them with everybody. Um, a big part of what we want to cover here are just, as you guys understand, construction more than anything. You know, we've got a ton of coverage, but very little mic'd up conversation explaining what the hell we're looking at. Because, and I'm not 
on anyone for this, but no one wants to give us the time of day when they're building, you know, when they're laying block and building bridges in the middle of the night. So, so as much as you don't want to admit this, it seems like you are the driving force behind this event getting done on time and properly. And I got to know what a day in the life of Dwight looks like, like, you know, this week building the track. Give me, give me your daily routine. Well, I, I usually get in the office between 3.30 and 4 o'clock in the morning. No, thank you. And, yeah. and I'm usually leave the office sometime around 5 or 6 o'clock at night. And you uh, live in Corona, right? Yes, I do. And that's, I mean, from here, that is what, like an hour? He's up by 2. Oh, <laughs> 2.30. What time do you go to bed? Uh, sometimes I watch the 11 o'clock news. Oh, God. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Because like, it's like a, without traffic, it's like a one-hour drive? It's about an hour drive, yes. Okay. Yeah. Christ. Okay. Um, Do you ever take vacations? Uh, not as often as I'd like. You should take some uh, more vacations. Yeah, Do you yeah. know how to vacation? Uh, my wife says I don't. Yeah. yeah. I, I can <laughs> see it. Yeah. yeah, I can see it. Yeah. yeah. What's, what's wife's name? Sharon. I'm team Sharon. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So you're up by, you're, you're at the track by four. Yes, sir. And what's the first couple hours look like for you? Well, basically, I take a look at the reports that have been given me from the night before, mm-hmm. basically see where we're at. Uh, and uh, I really do count on, on the guys, and they do a, a hell of a job. Uh, actually, the event and the construction that takes place out there doesn't happen without the guys that I have working underneath me. You know, you're only as good as you are with, with the people that you surround yourself yep. with. And I've been very, very lucky very lucky in that I've been able to, or with the company, has been able to retain the services of our key folks for a number of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure you've interviewed a few of them, and some of them have been with me for 30 years. Yeah. Uh, and uh, without those guys, uh, this thing wouldn't happen. It's not me. I, I'm basically the guy that points these guys in, in the direction I want them to go. Uh, we generate a plan. Uh, we are all in on it. We all agree. And mm-hmm. then I let these guys go. As you're probably well aware, a good operations guy will tell a, a marketing guy or a PR guy, just tell me what you want and then get the hell out of my way. And, <laughs> what do you uh, mean? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it, it's, it's, you know, it, it's very nice that these guys are saying that uh, I'm the guy that makes this thing happen when, in fact, it, it's a total team effort. Mm-hmm. It's a total team effort. Mm-hmm. And Even Pablo? Even Pablo. Even Pablo. <laughs> so first couple hours are looking over reports from the night before, figuring out what's been accomplished, what right. needs to be done, and then where do we go from there? Basically, uh, I get with the supervisors when they show up at uh, 6 o'clock in the morning. If that's the scheduled start time, uh, they usually show up an hour before the rest of the crew starts. And then uh, we make sure that we're all on the same page. Okay, Are the trucks, have they been ordered? Do we know that they're going to be here on time? Same thing with the cranes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the number of personnel that we have working. Uh, what time are they showing up? Are we running split crews? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's happening? So it's basically just to go over the day's work yeah. and make sure that the assignments uh, are well understood so that we're not spinning our wheels and having to do things twice. Mm-hmm. Our biggest problem is that, uh, or my biggest concern is handling something more than once. If you have to handle it more than once, then you've lost. Mm. In the sense that, like, this is redundant time that could have been doing exactly. something else. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and understanding our schedule is that uh, our construction schedule is based on uh, an agreement with the city. Um, you know, X amount of days uh, to install, X amount of days to remove. 
we have, we're unlike any other construction company or any other construction project out there, is that there is no tomorrow for us. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not ready to go or if we're not ready to go on Friday at 7 o'clock in the morning, we're out of business. Right. Uh, so, like I said, it's unlike any other construction project. Yeah. You know, we have to consider rain days. That mm. you know, There's no makeup days for rain days for us. Right. There's no makeup days for any breakdowns uh, because we're set by... Uh, this timetable that is basically set by the city yeah. in the agreement that we have with the city. Yeah, because you can't just have everything built up as early as you want. You, they give you a window right. where you can start moving everything over from the, from exactly. the pre-locations. Yeah. Right. How many weeks prior to the race are you allowed to start? I'm uh, 54 days prior to the event. 54 days 54 prior days. to the event. So right. 55 days, you're not allowed to no. be on the, on the streets, no. so to speak. No. Within that, how many hours per day would you yeah, say yeah. you guys work? Again, the the hours are predicated on what has happened the sure. previous day. Yeah. Do we have to play catch up? Mm-hmm. You know, something happened that you know we've lost four hours. And for us, it's not just four hours. You lose four hours. You got you multiply that by the number of guys you've got working out there, along with the number of trucks you've got there. So, uh, all of a sudden, these numbers start to jump out real quick uh, on what you've lost. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you have to try to make this stuff up. Mm-hmm. Uh, at one point, we used to have sixty days prior to uh, the event uh, to install our safety system. The city, when we renegotiated our contract with the city, they cut it back to 54. Uh, so all of a sudden we've lost a, a week's yeah. time of work. And I assume and that's a huge, huge number of days. Yeah, yeah it's a yeah. huge number of days. And then you multiply that by the number of guys times mm-hmm. the number of hours. And all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're taking a look at it in a one week's time. You're taking a look at 3,000 hours that you have to try to make up someplace. Right, right. Because so. it sounds like when you guys are in that 54-day window, People are working around the clock. Uh, no. Uh, again, I, I wished we could. Uh, uh, again, uh, because of noise okay. ordinances, mm-hmm. uh, we are limited on what we, we, the hours that we can work. Okay. Uh, so uh, it's not all around the clock. Okay. It gets to a point uh, later on when we closer to the race, mm-hmm. then we'll start working longer hours and in, in, in some cases around the clock okay. just to, to make sure that we get things done in the sense of like the community complaints and people that live nearby if you're yeah. if you're banging a hammer at midnight people yeah, you, are going to complain you got to understand that you know we're a street circuit yeah the businesses don't really care that much in the sense of the noise due to the yeah. fact that they're closed at night yeah. uh, most of them but it's the local residences yeah. there's uh, condos apartments yeah. uh, that uh, basically uh, skirt uh, yeah. the north part of our circuit so yeah. it does become an impact for so them. if there were 54 days of just ongoing noise <laughs> that would that would be a thing Yes, it so, would be. Yeah, I got you. Um, so on that level, it doesn't sound like there is such a thing as the number of hours per day as much as tasks per day. And you hit those tasks as you need to. That's correct. Yeah. That's right. We, we have basically benchmarks that we try to re- make. And uh, if we don't reach those benchmarks, then we start to adjust our schedule accordingly. How many people do you have working in that 54 days? Or like, like what's the roster? Well, it... it fluctuates uh, but uh, I can have uh, including everything else that we're doing out there which uh, includes uh, you know electrical mm-hmm. uh, telecom I can have 50 guys working out there at one time right wow. between in-house and contract folks and whatnot yeah it's a lot of people on a small track yeah um, one of the things that caught us off guard when we were shooting this is so if I've been coming to this race since 1997. You've been coming to this race for the last seven or eight years. Um, you show up, and I've always assumed, you know, it's a few weeks before this group comes out and puts out walls, so this, this group puts out fencing, and that's that. 
it never occurred to us how many full-time people there are that are year-long members of this group. Yeah, we do have uh, a number of full-time employees. Uh, a lot of people will say, you know, you only work three days out of the year. What do you do the rest right. of the time? <laughs> right. Again, okay, that's nice. But uh, no, if uh, we try to uh, keep as many people as we can around uh, all year round, uh, that makes it easier for us in the sense that the team isn't broken up at that point. Mm-hmm. We can guarantee that from one year to the next, I still have the same supervisors mm-hmm. uh, that are that understand what needs to be done, when it needs to be done, how it needs to be done. Right. Well, that's actually one of the key things that I think we've picked up on. So the analogy we've, we've used in the past is if you go to a NASCAR race or an IndyCar or IMSA race, watching the crews pick up and put everything in that trailer is this amazing organized mess and nothing is written down. Mm-hmm. Everyone just knows, okay, now it's Kiwi tile, now it's poles, now mm-hmm. it's this or that. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that has been impressive and also a giant pain in our ass uh, <laughs> is that um, that seems to be the case on a very large scale with with you guys, mm-hmm. that there there is no work list. And so the reason you have to have these full-time guys is because they know all these special little intricacies mm-hmm. that are specific to making this track work. Yeah, like I said early on, we're, we're unlike any other construction company yeah. in, the, in the sense that, uh, you know, we have, we're spread out over about a mile square, okay? Uh, we have to make sure that we impact our, the local stakeholders as least as we possibly can. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you say stakeholders, like businesses, businesses yeah. 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 restaurants, the hotels, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, yeah. you name it. Uh, so at times, we do have a construction schedule. I yeah. think you've seen the construction schedule. I've seen it out of date. Right. And uh, what, has, what happens is we have to be very flexible in the sense that because we're staged our event in and around a, a entertainment center, mm-hmm. Things change there daily. Yep. And because of the relationship that we have with the convention center, we're willing to make adjustments to our schedule to help them out. So, you know, we do pre-plan, but then, again, because of things that are un- under our control, mm-hmm. uh, we have to make adjustments. And we're willing to make those adjustments because, again, without the convention center's cooperation, without the city's cooperation, yeah. without the cooperation of, of some of the local businesses, yeah. we wouldn't be running the event. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's a normal scenario where you, on your, before you ever start, you may say, okay, this street on this day, we're gonna work on this. Right. And then a week before the convention center's like, oh, we have a large number of foot traffic on that day. Can mm-hmm. you move things around? And so you do. Right, because they're yeah. always scheduling events at that, the convention center. Yeah. And so, you know, it, we've had huge concerts that have been booked but mm-hmm. two weeks before our event that we've had to make adjustments for. Right. So it's, uh, again, it's a little bit of give and take by both. You mentioned earlier that you get in at 4 o'clock, but then you said everybody else gets at 6. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to get in at 4 o'clock. You choose to? I choose to because I that's when I do my best planning. I'm left alone. There's no one there. Yeah. It's quiet. Yeah. Uh, the only phone calls I usually get would be someone from the East Coast. Uh-huh. Uh, but for me, it's it's makes my day uh, easier to operate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can get more done, I feel. If I'm just a regular fan that's been coming here forever, I'm not necessarily thinking about how everything gets here. Um, it never occurred to us how much of the stuff at this track is actually owned by the Grand Prix Association. Mm-hmm. It's not rented K 
wall and rented fencing and all that. It's there's almost everything lives in these giant storage yards you have. That's correct. It wasn't that way in the early years. Okay. Uh, basically, back then we owned uh, the concrete blocks. Yeah. Uh, some fencing. Yeah. Uh, and a couple of bridges, and then we rented everything else. Over the years, uh, we were involved in other motorsports events that yep. we even promoted ourselves. Yep. Uh, Del Mar. Uh, you know, you, and we were involved in stuff in Phoenix, yep. uh, other events that uh, required us to rent material and equipment. Yep. Uh, at that time, we uh, made a, uh, a decision that instead of renting, we should buy it. Yep. You know, we, if you're going to only use it one time a year, you rent. Yeah. If you're going to use it multiple times a year, you buy. Right. And basically, uh, we bought and we forced ourselves into a, a business, uh, a lucrative business, by the way, of supplying uh, equipment and material to not only our event, but to other events. Right. And that's one of the things that sort of stood out is that, yes, the Grand Prix happens once a year, but mm-hmm. the Grand Prix Association of Long Beach is rented <laughs> out for all kinds of stuff, including while you're building out this race. That is correct. It's a lot of work. It is, and like I said, if it wasn't for the guys that were working for me, yeah. it would never happen. What are some of the, so it, what's one thing that's, uh, we've sat with some other people who talked about doing races at Del Mar and Phoenix, um, but you now have expanded beyond just racetracks that you support. That is correct. What are some of the events you do? Academy Awards. We do the red carpet area for the Academy Awards. You're like putting concrete blocks down. We do that then, too. Okay. But we also do the flooring. Okay. Um, uh, build structures for them, platforms. Okay. Uh, we do it for the Emmys, primetime Emmys. Yeah. Uh, we do it for the ABP, which is the beach volleyball, yeah, uh, okay. professional beach volleyball uh, group. AVN? Nothing. Go on. AVN. No. He knew. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> Look, I'd be there. They don't need rock hard block there. <laughs> they, they have enough. Right. <laughs> <laughs> told you he'd be fine. Yeah, right? yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, we're involved in other events. Uh, it, and like I said, it's, it's been very lucrative for us. Right. Keeps the guys busy all year round. Yeah, to keep a workforce that you know can build the racetrack, which right. is pretty consistently done, but it's like in a place where so much is going on. Mm-hmm. I guess having a consistent workforce is a pretty important thing. So if you can find work for them in other ways. Yeah, it's it's very important. The the, the concrete block you guys lay down isn't just the same concrete block you can see on the freeway. Not at all. Uh, our blocks are, the dimensions, first of all, are completely different. Okay. Our, our blocks uh, are 12 feet long. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're one meter tall. 20 inches wide at the base and at the top. They weigh 10,000 pounds apiece. They have a flat surface both front and back. Yeah. Uh, normal K-rail that you'd see on the freeway, you know, not as tall. Uh, in some cases, they're longer, but they weigh less yeah. uh, because they're shorter, and uh, they also have angled backs uh, front and back. Right, so. and the angling is key. Uh, for uh, highway use, yes. No, for, for racetrack use, not having no, an angle yeah, is not, pretty critical and, for you guys, yeah, correct? Wouldn't, yeah, wouldn't be allowed at all because that's how you flip cars over. Right. They'd get up on top and just yeah. roll right over. And you say that uh, the concrete blocks you guys are, use are heavier. Is that heavier. is that simply because of a higher velocity of vehicle? Yeah, uh, again, it's uh, for safety's sake. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, originally developed, uh, believe it or not, by our, our organization back in 19, pre-1975. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, there were no rules and regulations regarding concrete blocks, temporary concrete blocks, okay. uh, in the FIA manual, which is the, you know, the yeah. uh, international sanctioning body. Right. Uh, so it was uh, developed and approved by the, we developed it, it was approved by the FIA. Right. 
So it was specifically, specifically made for you. So somebody else was making this, and then you guys were renting it right up until you made your own. No, your own. no, no. We, we originally in 19, uh, for the 1975 race, they made their own concrete blocks. Oh, and they didn't wow. make them. They, right. they didn't make them themselves. They had a contractor make them for us. Right. Now we make our own blocks. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. We have our own forms. Got it down to a science. Yes. Yeah. 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 Because it's got a hook at a certain place. It's got to meet all your dimensions. Right. How many blocks do you guys have at the track, and like how how long, like distance-wise? Twenty-four hundred concrete blocks. Jesus Christ! And, uh, and each one weighs ten thousand pounds. Okay. Yeah. And uh, we have over four miles <laughs> concrete blocks that we place. And I'm guessing when you guys are moving them by truck, as we've seen, you can only put so many on them because of weight loads. That's correct. Five. Is five at a time. Five at a time. And you need to move four miles worth. Yes, sir. Jeez. So. We can so you can stack five concrete blocks on a truck, otherwise they're too heavy. Yes, sir. And you have to do that to move twenty four hundred blocks. That's correct. In fifty four days. That's correct. And you're in, only in Long Beach traffic. Yes, sir. About three miles away? Uh but a little over three miles away. That's a lot of short trips with a lot of weight. Yes it is. <laughs> <laughs> so you literally have four miles or twenty four hundred blocks in one giant storage yard. Uh that's right. So to make this race work, I mean, I think what most fans wouldn't realize is that when they when they go home, when the concrete blocks are done, they go back to a seven and a half acre plot that you guys have to own. It's not like you just let them be someone else's problem afterwards. No. So it's literally owning another piece of property here in Long Beach to be able to house and everything as well as then transporting it. That's correct. So it's quite an undertaking. So everything is stored either at the Grand Prix offices, which has a huge back section, or on a separate lot that's got all of your concrete block stack. It is in Long Beach, but it is on the other side of Long Beach from where the track is built out. It's North Long Beach, yes. Yeah. Uh, Jake, one of the things that we've learned uh, following you is it's Southern California. There is Southern California traffic, including the 710 freeway, which mm -hmm. is the single biggest freeway to connect to the L.A. and Long Beach ports. Uh how much of a factor does just that three-mile traffic plot play into putting out concrete? Oh, it can change the whole timeline for the racetrack being built. Yeah. I mean, when those ships come in and they have tons and tons of those just containers coming off on the 710, it just jams up traffic. Typically, it would only take you maybe five minutes to get up there maybe 10 minutes to get up there right. but when that traffic happens it'll take them 45 minutes that's to go one way right and that's just five concrete blocks and that's five concrete blocks yeah that's 60 feet yeah <laughs> which you can cover in a couple minutes i can offload a truck on a good day in maybe five minutes right so jake you're on the other side of this because you're um if if, if what we've observed is correct you're largely on the receiving end of the block, laying it down on the track, you mm -hmm. and Richard. Yes. Um, so if those trucks aren't continuing to give you a new load of block, what are you and Richard doing? Pretty much waiting. Right. I try, I try to go do other things, but it can't take that much time because, you know, time can get away from you real quick. Right. And if you start doing another task and you get involved and then a truck shows up and he's waiting for you, yeah. mm -hmm. then now you have a truck Everybody's behind. waiting. Yeah. So it's kind of like I'm there trying to, like, keep myself busy a little bit, but I can't really venture off too far. Right. Because it's, it's going to take me some time. Yeah. But again, if, if, you're, if you're, I mean, you're going to get off at three no matter what. So what's wrong with waiting around a little bit? Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> so i mean because basically day by day you have a certain 
yeah, street you're trying to cover. So whether those trucks come one by one by one over the minutes or hours, it doesn't change your day. You're going to get those things done. Yeah, I'm going to. So I'm going to try. That's the sure. That's the end goal right. is to get it done. But like I said, there's different factors of traffic. Right. Truck breaks down. Right. There's an accident on the 710. Right. It can just change everything and then just puts me behind schedule. Sure. And, you know, truckers now are on, you know, those electronic logs, so yep. they can't work that long. Yeah. And some of these guys come from, you know, the Inland Empire, and they have to drive all the way back out there. Yeah, and that adds on the time. Exactly. Right. So yeah. I, how much do I really get them? Not yeah. that long. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it depends. I mean, especially with labor right now, it's really hard to find truckers, hard to find anybody to do anything now. Yeah. So that's just another thing. March 2020. Um, March 2020. Tell me, where where were you in the build? We were 80% complete. Oof. So you're like, most of the track is laid out. Fencing is already going up. Was there a bridge out? Everything was up. Yeah. 80%. Every, I mean, that, okay. that's a racetrack. Yeah. yeah. So you have a yeah. racetrack built. Did you have any sense of what was coming? Not really. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we... We were well aware it was happening, right? But we were also well aware what other amusement parks, because that's what we base our stuff on, is what other promoters are doing, or what other people in the entertainment business are doing here in Southern California. Exactly, plenty to go off. So we, I was basically (laughs) just watching what was happening at Disneyland. Believe it or not, yeah, Yeah, that makes sense. And at the time, Disneyland was saying, "We're not closing. We're not closing. We're not closing." I kept going, "If they're not closing, we're not closing." Yeah, Yeah. Right. right, yeah. Then everything did a 180 on us. In like a day. Huh? In like a day. It, it was a like day. That. Wow. It was a day. How does One that? One day we were having it. The next day, guess what? Yeah. When you get the call, what's your first reaction? Well. You can say it. <laughs> we edit. <laughs> <laughs> what I actually said was. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good. <laughs> because uh, I, I realized how much money we had already spent. Yeah, yeah. right. Okay. right. There, like, there was no way we we're going to recoup yeah. that money. Yeah. yeah. And, and I don't know the finances of the Grand Prix, but I assume a huge part huge. of the budget is the building of the track. We spend 75% of the outgoing money for mm-hmm. on making the event mm-hmm. happen. Right. So that's spent already. Ticket sales yeah. are now. Yeah. yeah. It was spent. And uh, we. Uh, we are trying uh, to get things d- done early. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had expedited our construction schedule because right. uh, we were aware of the fact that we we're going to be losing some time. Oh, you figured it might slow you down with oh, all no, of that, right? No, not that. It was oh. that by contract. Remember, we, I said yeah, we had yeah. 60. Had six days cut yeah, off. Okay. And we had it. So yeah. we said I, I, we had planned, and I told the guys this is what I want to do. We're going to expedite the construction schedule. So we were well ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we got to yeah. <laughs> that happened. So no good deed goes unpunished. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. So what's the first move after that call? Uh, we had to regroup. Regroup uh, uh, again. We weren't for sure uh, if uh, it's going to be a total cancellation. Mm-hmm. If they were going to allow us postpone and maybe a couple months later have the event. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're getting ready to talk to the city to see you know what their position was going to be and then it just turned around and just when disney said that they were closing Mm -hmm. it was the the writing was on the wall right so we basically uh started to plan to to do the removal right and uh we uh 
we weren't happy about it. Right. Yeah. Uh, but then uh, we had to really sit back and take a look at what was going to happen after we were done with the removal. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, from a financial standpoint, we'd put out a tremendous amount of money. Yeah. And uh, there was no way that uh, what we had brought in at that time, uh, we were going to be able to basically cover all our costs. Uh, and so it became a, we had to scramble. Yeah. And uh, for me, I'm back of the house. I let the front of the house guys worry about Figure that, that stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, right. But meanwhile, I wished it was that easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The track is 80% built. How long did it just stay there until you knew what the plan was? We started to remove it the, the following week. Really? Huh. Mm-hmm. Wow. Was it easier because there was less traffic? Uh, be- <laughs> <laughs> it was weird. It yeah. was yeah. honestly the weirdest thing. Yeah. yeah, like usually. It's actually strange. Yeah. Because we didn't have to worry about businesses. Right. No. Yeah. Nobody. Yeah. There was no pedestrians, no cars. Yeah. Like yeah. Pine Avenue during lunch hour is insane. Yeah. It's a madhouse anywhere Stuff. over that area. Not a soul in sight. Really? It was the weirdest like thing. A, like a ghost town. Yeah. It, it was, you looked around and the only people that you saw were a few homeless people and that was it. Sure. Everything else was just dead. Yeah. Now, are you packing this up thinking, all right, we're coming back in a month, or do you have no idea that you're packing it up? We had no idea at the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of us weren't happy with what happened. Sure. Uh, some of us felt that it was an overreaction. Sure. Uh, again, you know, it was early on mm-hmm. uh, in, you know, during the, the pandemic. So, you know, uh, we were concerned, and we we're concerned about the future of the Grand Prix, too. Sure. Uh, again, when you take that type of hit, yeah, right. uh, yeah. but we've been very lucky. We've got a couple of owners that, uh, and, and you know who they are, mm-hmm. and they've been involved in racing forever. Right. And uh, they understand the ups and downs of businesses. Yeah. And uh, we've been very lucky in that they've been very supportive. Uh, and uh, they've uh, let us continue. Yeah. Now, obviously, during a shutdown like that, um, you know, there's... People, you know, you either have short-term staff that go elsewhere or furloughs or whatever, but it has led, as I understand it, has led as we understand it, to just like many businesses, a staffing shortage oh. or skill set shortage in 2021 that you're not used to. Uh, yes, uh, and, and it's not only affected uh, the Grand Prix, right. their labor force, but our subcontractors, mm-hmm. uh, the people that supply us. Uh, now, is that full shortage or is it specialty problems? Because you guys are very unique in terms of how yeah. you build. So is it that you don't have the people who know exactly what you need to build? Or is it there's simply not people available to work, period? Uh, fewer specialties. We, we, we were able to get additional people, but they're, we're, they weren't as skilled as we'd like to have them. Yeah, right. They weren't accustomed to the way we do things. Yeah. Uh, uh, 2020 changed uh, our business model uh, labor-wise uh, tremendously. It was something that we were unaccustomed to in, in the sense that we were always able to have uh, uh, personnel uh, that uh, were f- very familiar with what we've done, mm-hmm. how we've done it. Uh, but uh, at the start of 2021, uh, we were basically down 50% of our skilled labor force. Mm-hmm. So it became a, a little bit of a struggle uh, mm-hmm. for the guys themselves. Uh, not so much for me because, again, I'm... I'm just sitting there calling the shots, uh, but these guys are the ones that have to go out there and actually do the, the right. labor itself. And uh, when, say, when you say you've had to change your business model, 
what does that mean? Well, in the sense of how we we do things, uh, mm-hmm. labor-wise. Uh, uh, again, my business model is from an operational side. Uh, you know, like I said, I'm I'm a low life back of the house operations guy. Low life, uh, right? And because uh, that's what everyone says. That's right. He's <laughs> such a low life. And uh, but uh, you know, I've had to make adjustments. They've had to make adjustments. Uh, just basically because of the, the lack of personnel, skilled personnel that we're accustomed to usually having. Mm-hmm. And some of those people we've had around for years. Uh, and the issue is that we were able to keep those people around, like we just we had mentioned before, we discussed before, was the fact that we're involved in other events besides the Grand Prix. Right, right. So we're able to keep those people around, and right. keep them employed, keep them busy. Uh, when COVID hit, everything shut down. Not only our event, it hit every right. inter- special event out there. Uh, the entertainment industry was hit really, really hard uh, with this. So uh, anybody who was involved in that either had to change uh, the type of work that they were involved with. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of them left and and went to different types of construction companies, uh, not in the entertainment field, but, you know, normal construction. We're still working at the time. Yeah, because they were still going. Right. Mm -hmm. So... uh, and a lot of those people basically stayed there as opposed to coming back. Well, yeah. Yeah. They found out that uh, for them, you know, when you have a eight to five job, uh, yeah, you're not say, traveling. Like a, a building may have a contract to be finished by a certain time, but notoriously building construction, yeah. like it's not necessarily going to no. be done when you say it's going to be done. No. Whereas you have a race that's happening right. whether people want it or not. Yeah. So, you know, we, we, we push our guys fairly hard uh, because we have to, uh, but they're well aware of it and uh, they understand it. Uh, and uh, they're willing to do what it takes to, to get the job done, to meet that completion date. So in racing, like it, on a crew, one of the worst jobs to do would be uh, like carbon or fiberglass or anything like that. What's the worst job you'd have to do building the track? Poles. Yeah? Poles would be the hardest one probably. Yeah. It's not that it's hard. Once you understand the technique and get it, you'll get it. But there's a lot of them out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of yeah. them. And they're heavy. They're long. You know, you're just doing it over and over and over. So yeah, the new guy gets the poles. Tedious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or if you mess up and I don't like you for some reason. You're like, get on poles. Yeah, yeah get on poles. You yeah. show up late, get on oh, poles. Oh, you're on poles right. today. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know. So this is the one job in racing where you don't want to be on pole. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you do not want to be on pole yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, heard about Pops, his day in the life. What's yours? So, typically, depending on our start time for the guys, I'm going to be there an hour, hour and a half earlier than they will. And that's Davey and I are both going to be here at that time. And we do all the traffic control, getting all the cones. We meet up. We have a plan. We set our plan up, what we're going to do, what we need to get done. Um, make sure that the trucks are showing up, make sure the crane is there at Wardlow. If we have anything coming in earlier, we're there to offload it just in case. So we can just have everything ready for all the guys to show up. Cause when I have, you know, 10 to 12 guys show up, I don't want 10 to 12 guys standing around. That's a lot of money. So I want them right when they get there immediately to get, you know, going. So like we get everything, all the gales are all filled up or we open up the, container for them to get all their stuff ready so you know they're not standing around and then we just have a plan ready for them to get going and then once i'm usually on the k-rail or the panels or i'm counting for you know closures or where you know things block lines end 
or where the fence lines end and stuff like that. So I'm out there trying to get all the marks done and tell them, hey, you got to stop here. Don't go any further than this. Or So that takes a lot of my time. I mean, between me and Richard, that's pretty much what we're doing the whole time. Anything that's kind of like the intricate, you know, if you could call it intricate in a way of just getting everything ready for the crew to, like, work and stop. And so that's pretty much what we do every morning. Um Sometimes you've seen it, two o'clock calls, three o'clock calls. It's not the whole crew is out there getting all the K-rail out, and especially in sections that aren't easy to work in, such as the aquarium, because we don't want to have a huge impact on them, especially when they have kids coming in, you know, and a lot of pedestrian traffic. Same thing on Pine, a lot of traffic. That's pretty much the main artery to get down into the shoreline area and the pike and such. So we have to do that early morning. So that's, yeah, pretty much what we do the whole time. So we've worked with you on both of those streets. Mm -hmm. Um, Pine Avenue was a wake-up call. (laughs) Um, So uh, I remember very early on in this whole thing coming together, getting a note from Dwight saying, please get a safety vest and a helmet. And I was like, I'll do it so that I don't come off as an asshole. But what the f***? It's not. Who cares? I don't need that. Yeah. Yeah. Then I went to Pine Avenue Mm -hmm. and went, holy yeah, you have to wear one of these things. Yes. Um, so, Southern California isn't known for its quality of driving standard. Uh, you wouldn't say. But, um, <laughs> like, there seems to be no level of cone, sign, flashing light that that keeps people from getting inches uh, from guys like you and Richard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's constant, people. You know, especially when you get on. Once people see that it's a racetrack. It's just in so their jeans just right. to be like, ooh, floor it, you know? And so the, the more block gets laid down, the, worse the scarier gets. this the place scarier gets. The scarier it gets, yes. The scarier it gets, especially yeah. when the like debris fence comes in and then it, oh, like, and it closes gone. the yeah. racetrack. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, then people start to really, really speed. Is it because really they think speed. they're getting away with something or it really is just an instinctual thing? I think it's an instinctual thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you would do it, wouldn't you? No. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean... It's it's an everyday thing, especially yeah. like when we work weekends. A lot of like you know the car local car clubs mm-hmm. and you know guys oh. that are cruising. Oh, oh right, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're like, oh, I'm let's, more of a man. Let's yeah. go down to the Grand Prix. They have it all raced mm-hmm. out. You know, yeah. they want to hear their cars. You know, mm-hmm. sound off the walls mm-hmm. and yeah. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But when we do the early morning calls, it's more of we're afraid of the people that are drunk drivers mm-hmm. that are leaving or coming back from the clubs or you know the bars or someone that's late for work. And that's those are the ones that are the scary ones. I know that you've seen some guys just drive by us on Pine, probably going sixty miles an hour plus mm-hmm. inches from you. Yeah, like yeah. real close. Yeah. You know, so, ten thousand yeah. pound block in the air. Yeah, and well, it's, and that's part too. Is so we heard one of the guys, Henry, was telling us a story where you know it, he's got block on a forklift. It's swinging because there's and he can't do anything about this. Mm-hmm. And if a car pulls out in front of him and he has to stop, that block is going to swing. Yes, mm-hmm. and. That's a lot of weight. Yeah. There's nothing you can do. So um, I don't want to ask what I want to ask because it's like, I don't want to jinx anything, but like, how lucky have you guys been so far? Very lucky. Very lucky. (laughs) No. Very lucky. Yeah. 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 Um, Okay. What's the, on a funny level, what's the funniest dumb thing you've witnessed? This year? (laughs) (laughs) Or my all time. Sure. Either. Yeah. Yes. Whatever you got. It's people. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's the locals. Yeah. Oh, the Long Beach's finest. Yeah. Know. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. I've seen a dude running around naked inside the um, <laughs> lagoon. That was interesting. Mm-hmm. Excellent, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We were on the other side of the track. You and I were there on the morning of a carjacking. Oh, yeah. Which correct. I was like, God damn it, why are we on this side? Mm-hmm. I was so mad. Mm-hmm. That is correct. There was a carjacking yeah. right there on yeah. Seaside. They caught the guy, yeah. thankfully. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it just wasn't anywhere near our cameras. <laughs> no. Which makes me very sad. If you're gonna if you're gonna carjack, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> get it be near us. <laughs> Give us the content. Yeah. Yeah. Let us know before you go mm-hmm. into it. Yeah. What about the questions that you have to get? Like, is this a racetrack? Yeah, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are you guys building? Mm-hmm. Isn't the race like in April? <laughs> right. Well, yeah, yeah, that was a big question this year. Yeah. Oh, because the of race? the fact it's August. It was oh, yeah. yeah, sure. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, that was a big one. Is that normal or is that specific to 2021? No, that's normal, especially when you have like the residents that are just they're just new, moved yeah. in. They, yeah. they, you know, I don't think the building manager or the the sales the realtor is telling them that there's a giant race that goes on there and yeah. how much kind of an impact it does have so i don't know if they're very <coughs> no. aware of it or they just don't really each of the buildings care uh, no each of the buildings is well aware of our event uh, because uh, you would have to our be agreement point. Yeah. our agreement with the city when they develop these new uh, projects the yep. new condos new apartments as part of the ccnrs they uh, have it written in that uh, the the new tenants are aware of the fact that there's a Grand Prix and it takes place. Right. And there's an impact for X so, amount of days. Yeah. So, so landlords are legally obligated to disclose to. that you are next to a yes. yeah. part time racetrack. You, you can't exactly. complain that you move near the airport. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, they still can. Yeah. Well, they still <laughs> Let me tell you how humans work. Yeah. Um, they still do. Yeah. <laughs> so, on that level, uh, how about getting lectured? How often, when you're out there on the forklift, are you getting lectured? Like, this is so ridiculous. Many. Yeah. yeah, a lot of yeah. middle fingers, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of horns, yeah. Yeah. a lot of yeah. middle fingers. Yeah, um, yeah people screaming. <laughs> You're really doing this on a Saturday. <laughs> like right. you chose to be there on yeah. Yeah, yeah, like you, yeah, 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 like enjoying your day as I'm here at work. Thank <laughs> right, you. Right, exactly. <laughs> You're right. Not the yeah. bench I've been here for 12 hours. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's um, good. You mentioned Richard. So it seems like you and Richard are your, I don't know if micro team is the right term, but it seems like you're your own kind of pairing. They're out there building the track. And that seems to be the culture of how these places get, of, of how these get sectioned off. Like you've got your group and Davey's got his small group. So it's not, there may be 50 people on the track at one time, but it's groups of three or four people, unless mm-hmm. there's a big, you know, uh, grandstand being built or something like that. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? I don't know. Yeah, no, that is correct. I yeah. mean... They kind of call us like a dynamic duo. You and Richard? Yeah. You guys are, we get it all the time. Yeah. 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 And Richard, they're, they're way cuter together. Yeah, well, so, look yeah. what I'm working with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't stab me with that fork. <laughs> As I eat carbs. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, he has been here for a while. Yeah. And at first he didn't, like, work with me. But then I found out that he understands a lot he's very intelligent so mm-hmm, yeah. he understands what about I richard want. yeah richard shockingly <laughs> i'm gonna, gonna what shockingly <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah he so he he's gonna richard, hate richard is hilarious. i love richard yeah, yeah. he's yeah. he's like mexican steve-o okay <laughs> <laughs> right yeah he's mexican steve-o so. yeah yeah but he knows exactly how I want things and he does it. I don't really have to tell him anything. Mm-hmm. Like when you were trying to get 
footage or you know yeah. spe- sound of us it's we don't really say much to each sure. other because he knows what i want yeah and i know what he's going to do yeah. so mm-hmm. it's just we constantly work well with one another yeah. and that seems to be the formula it seems for everybody that it's it's a nightmare if you're trying to make video but uh but there isn't a lot of conversation because everyone instinctually knows what to do exactly yeah. all right so do you build the uh like the emmys and stuff like that as well do you go that stuff yeah so who's the bigger pain in the ass racing series or Hollywood people. Ooh, I know the answer to that. <laughs> what sanctioning body? Mm. Ooh, mm. definitely. <laughs> don't don't answer. <laughs> you don't have to. Yeah. So generally, you guys try to work during semi-public hours. The exception seems to be the bridges. Those yes. have to be overnight. Yeah, and the reason we do that is because it requires us closures of the streets themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, uh, we used to do it during the daylight hours years ago. And then uh, we realized that there were some complaints uh, lodged by the local businesses. Because you physically and, and, have to and, shut down the streets. In the early years, it wasn't a problem because oh, okay. there were no businesses there. Right, ah, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Okay. Uh, once the skyline started to change, then our operation had to change too. Okay. And so uh, I met with the city and uh, basically said that, you know, to reduce the impacts on the local businesses, uh, to reduce my headaches of listening to them to complain, yeah. uh, we would do them at night. Yeah. Uh, it uh, required uh, them to approve it because of the noise ordinance. Okay. Uh, I'm sure if you were out there, uh, especially on the uh, east side, uh, there's a local resident there that uh, will come out every year. <laughs> So what? you have like you have like Mo- regulars. Also, yes. mother, yeah. f- I did not know this. I wish I'd known this. <laughs> yeah. That's the one I would have gone to. We have. Uh, God damn it! Twice. What's his name? Let's go now. Yeah, <laughs> well, let's fake it. Comes out in his his bathrobe and uh-huh. his slippers and. Uh-huh. God damn it! I wish I knew. Screaming this. and yelling. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So was he out there this year? Yes. <laughs> that was just. For it you. just was the one that, that I was wasn't at. You. I went to every bridge, but yeah. the one with the yeah. naked man yelling. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but you have regulars in the complaint department. Yes, and, and the city's well aware of them. Yeah, so. right. And that, I assume, that actually helps, that it's the same person over and over. So they're yes, like, it does. yeah, that's just old yeah. man and, and, it, and yeah. they don't only complain about our event. They complain I'm about sure. everything that happens. Yeah, yeah, anything they can, can right. Yeah. Yeah. If you're the old man yeah. yelling at a bridge, you're probably <laughs> yelling at other things. Yes. So. Do, do you guys realize that it's insane the way you build bridges? Uh, yes. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. Uh, I've been to racetracks my whole life. I've never really thought about a walkover bridge before. And then when we see the way that they're built and put together with like roughly three people mm-hmm. and a crane and ropes and people hanging. It, yeah, we were um, we were a little bit impressed. How heavy is that bridge? Depending on which one you're talking about. Okay, let's say the shoreline. Well, there's a bunch of shoreline. God damn it, Dwight. <laughs> Well, let's go Pine Avenue. Pine, Pine Avenue is Avenue. Our, okay, our largest big, bridge. Okay, the big the Pine British Avenue bridge. bridge. It's uh, well over 100,000 pounds. 100,000 pounds? <laughs> Crandall said they were 10,000. You're yeah. saying they're 100,000 the or 30,000. The staircase might be 10,000 pounds. Right, right. It's a 100,000 pound bridge yeah, yeah. dangling on a crane. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. why That's why we have a, what's it, that's a, no, it's a 200, no, no, it's a 350, three, no, it's a 340. 340-ton crane, uh-huh. a hydraulic uh-huh. crane that picks it up. Right. Mm-hmm. But and it's it's huffing and puffing trying to pick yeah, it up. Yeah, yeah. And then three humans. <laughs> They're literally hand climbing up this stress system. Right. What do you call them, piers? Piers. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's, it's guys like Henry and, and, and some of the other guys, and they're literally climbing these piers. Mm-hmm. 
with a 100,000-pound bridge dangling over them. Mm-hmm. And at no point is anyone like, this is a terrible idea. No. <laughs> it's like, come on, what's the problem? Completely unapologetic. Yeah, yeah. you got to trust your equipment, Sean. We, uh, you're going to go to a race car and you go you, 200 take... miles an hour and you're afraid yeah. that the wheel's going to fall off? Yeah, I am. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the bridges were designed to for ease of installment and removal. Uh, again, they're temporary. Yeah, sure. There's nothing yeah. going in permanent. Right. Yeah, right. right. So yeah. it's just matching up bolt holes and putting them together. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, you make this sound like it's just like, like it's not a thing. Crandall did the same thing. He's like, guys, just bolt them together. Yeah, it's like, good to go. No, no, it's a 100,000-pound bridge that's dangling <laughs> over a bolt hole that you're trying to align. Mm-hmm. There's one guy with a string <laughs> controlling that whole goddamn yeah. process. And at no point is anyone like, this is all horrible. You seeing this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, we're sitting there with cameras like, no one seems to notice what we're looking at here. Mm-hmm. No, at no point. No. Did you ever do this? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Crandall, and Crandall said the same thing, as yeah. though it's not a thing. Yeah. Yeah, we, Crandall and I used to do it together out there. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. So, you yeah. were both on the piers, or were you holding the rope? Oh, doing a bunch of both. Yeah. I used to climb the piers. Uh, oh, man. But it's... Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, yeah. I, there's nothing I can add to it other than it's just insane. Yeah, it's uh, in our early years. It, uh, we didn't have as many bridges. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, but... Uh, it's uh, when we buy new bridges, uh, they're designed in such a fashion to make it easier to install than right, the right. previous stuff. So right. it's we've learned over the years. Sure. Yeah. So 54 days, let's call that roughly seven weeks, eight mm-hmm. weeks. Um, kind of week to week, what are the different phases you want to be done by, done with? I'm just thinking this is like an editing like montage. One, yeah, like week, week one, one, you want to have all your concrete out. Week two, you want this. Like, is there such a thing? Well, not really because of the way the uh, the schedule is done in our agreement that we have with the city. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you take a look at the west side, mm-hmm. uh, west of Pine Avenue, uh, we, uh, we really can't go in there until a, a specific date. Mm-hmm. So we can't do any concrete blocks out there. Mm-hmm. We can't do any grandstands. I like the aquarium and stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We can't do anything. So, you know, we try to get as much as we possibly can done on the east side, which is east of Pine Avenue, because mm-hmm. that's the, the line, yeah. right. you know, east-west yeah. for us. Yeah. Uh, and we try to get as, almost everything that we possibly can done on the east side before we jump to the west side, so that we can s- concentrate solely on that west right. side. Right, and the east side is way less restrictive in terms of way traffic less. patterns, yeah. business, yeah. commercial less. stuff. Right, and most yeah. of it's parking lot stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are no businesses. Uh, There's one guy in a robe. That's right. And that's right. The guy on Seaside Way. All right, we're going to find this guy. I'm so mad I didn't know about this (laughs) a few weeks ago. would have been very helpful. One of the specifically unique things that you wouldn't know about a racetrack is paneling, which is different from a traditional block fence system. You seem to be doing the most of that, Jake. Mm -hmm. Um, What what is the panel? The panel is a 12-foot section that has all the debris fence in one unit. Mm -hmm. So if you wanted to go and pick up the block and that, 12-foot debris fence. And the fence that's above it. The yeah. fence above it, yeah. you could. Yeah. And it's helpful with, like, closures, yeah. especially with closures, because right. we're able to keep things open longer until it gets closer to the race, yeah. and I have everything staged there, counted, and the line's drawn on the ground. You just grab that panel, put it together, you bolt it, pin it, and it's right. done. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot easier. It's a lot quicker, but it's expensive. Yeah, uh, you know, then each one of those panels isn't the cheapest thing in the world. So you keep the paneling to areas where you need to be able to install very fast, very quickly, mm-hmm. and areas that aren't. I mean, they're strong. I mean, I've seen trucks go into those things real strong. The jumpy trucks. Yeah, you've yeah. seen Robbie Gordon fly into one. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Many yes. times. Yeah. <laughs> 
and I it was amazing to watch that how it mm-hmm. the wall flexed and then threw the truck back out into the racetrack like it did exactly what it was supposed to right, do. Yeah, right. But with like, like in- I did that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but with indie cars it's like different because their stuff is way they're going way faster, faster. Yeah. velocity yeah, you know, much yeah, more force yeah. you know you're starting to play with the whole physics and that pushing through the chain link gives mm-hmm. and it stretches and mm-hmm. it holds it in there when you're dealing with a panel that's rigid yeah. yeah so that force has to be able to go there so we don't really like to use them where there's a lot of pedestrians sure. such as the race you know south shoreline where all the grandstands mm-hmm. are at or mm-hmm. in front of like the Ferris wheel, sure. Grandstand yeah. five, six, and seven. We don't like to put them there. I when I designed those panels, it was basically just to it's supposed to be used in areas for our last minute closures. It's always mm. been a real problem for us yeah. uh, since day one for me. When even when we were up on Ocean Boulevard, uh, but uh, I, I'm a, a firm believer of, of a real strong safety system. Mm-hmm. And for me, a real strong safety system consists of being able to distribute an impact or that energy over a much larger area mm-hmm. uh, with poles, cable and fencing. You're able to do that because in our case, our poles are every six feet apart. Yeah. They're attached with six strands of cable mm-hmm. uh, with the U bolts. Every time the, the cable passes or touches the pole, there's a U bolt that tightens it to it. So if something were to get up into it, it would take that energy and, and distribute it over a much larger area right. in the panel. Uh, although I love them, they're very, very quick to install mm-hmm. and remove. Yeah. Uh, the the weak point is the connection of the two panels mm-hmm. where they're rectangular, and that distribution point, uh, the distribution of that energy, can end at that point there. Yeah. And that's where I have difficulty with them. Uh, I've never really been a fan of panels, yeah. although there are racetracks that use nothing but panels. Right. Right. Uh, and some people believe in those things. Uh, I'm old school. I've been doing this since 1976. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if you take a look at a permanent racing facility, they don't have panels. Right. They have right. cable and yeah. fence, and, yeah. and there's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. So, But for us, it, it we've been very lucky. Our, our, our panels have been tested. Yeah. We've had uh, Robbie Gordon, two of their trucks, get into our fence. Yeah. And uh, it's held. So, But the, the purpose for them is so... There are parts of the track that you have to open and close every day. Yeah, yes. right. And so you can't just put poles and fence no. that up because that's going to take hours, and you need something that you can move with a forklift <laughs> quickly. Believe it or not, so in the old days, we used to have to do that. How the f- did you do God. that in the yeah, quick it was, time? It, okay. was, it was tough. Yeah. yeah. It was tough. We, we want to talk about working long hours. Yeah. Right now. Uh, right now, we only do 16-hour days. <laughs> <laughs> right now, with the way uh, the safety system is built, uh, the guys uh, – Basically, uh, when we start our final closures on Wednesday, mm-hmm. we're done, right. basically, on Wednesday night. In the old days, we used to basically be working until all night, mm-hmm. Thursday night into Friday morning yeah. to make sure everything was done. Right. Yeah. So in a seven-week build, it seems like the first few weeks, it's it's fluid, <laughs> but generally you kind of know what you want to have yes. done. The chaos of the final few days leading to media day and then leading to the race, what is this? It's basically, uh, for our media day, yeah. uh, we have to basically have our racetrack ready to go. Yeah, and media and day comes about ten nine days, day, ten, ten days, days before to. Friday practice. Right. Yeah. So uh, we basically uh, have to be ready to race 
on that Tuesday prior to because the track race has week. to be as it will right. be for media. That's okay. right. Uh, we uh, due to the fact that we have this agreement with the city uh, in certain areas on the west side, we are not allowed to to basically put concrete blocks in. Right, like on parking that, entrances and stuff right. to some of the restaurants. And such, on yeah. Saturday night, Sunday morning, twelve one Sunday morning. Uh, two days before press day, that's when we can start setting blocks in front of the aquarium and in front and of the And that's an agreement with the city. You just can't do it any earlier. Right. Exactly. So the guys are, are pushed fairly hard at that point in preparation for an event that lasts six hours. Uh, and we only have the people on the track for less than two hours. So it's, uh, it's a lot of work. Uh, but... Uh, you're keeping those bloggers happy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Go on. No. It's, it's, like I said, it's just a, a lot of work for uh, to have a, a short period of time out on the racetrack. Yeah. Now, the flip side is it's supposed to get easier after media day, but my read is that it does not get easier after media day because it rolls downhill with timing. That's correct. Guys. So while you're scrambling to get the track built, there's still a million little stanchions barricades things like that around the track that weren't right. high priority right. that all of a sudden this is your last dash to get all this done in the final right. days the, the thing is that you know right after press day well, there's a, a real push on, on trying to get stuff done because again there are grandstands that we can't start until the day of press day uh there are you know sections of the racetrack that we can't build on until that monday prior to press day uh so it makes like i said it, it, scheduling wise it, it's it's a, it's a little tough on the guys, and you got to remember that we've got to be ready to go uh, on that Wednesday. We got to have everything ready to go Tuesday night for the final closure on Wednesday. So, you know, it, it, it sometimes, you know, it has a, a snowball effect. If if someone misses something, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden it affects something that someone else is supposed to be doing. Right. And then it right. just just starts. To, yeah. Once it, at times, you know, it, it can feel like, like it's getting out of control mm-hmm. we try to hide it as much as we possibly yeah, of can course, yeah. uh you know <laughs> we when people show up uh, to our event uh which i call the front of the house mm-hmm. we want to make sure that those people that show up there don't see anything from the back of the house right yeah you know, we can have a, a a great race you know great attendance and not have any hiccups that the spectators and our hospitality clients yeah. uh our sponsors uh don't see but on the back of the house they can turn to shit in, a, in a minute. Right, right, right. And uh, those are the things that we, we try to hide as much as possible. And, and, you know, for me, uh, and they, these guys are all well aware of it, if we have an issue out there, someone better call me and let me know that we've got a problem. Don't try to solve it yourself without letting me know that there's an issue out there. In the build process, it's, it, it is Long Beach, so things do happen in terms of theft, vagrancy, <laughs> things like that. Um, are there concessions or planning you guys have to take into effect knowing that that fence you put up today might have a problem with it in a week? Yeah, again, uh, between us and our subcontractors, yeah. uh, you know, there's when we start in the morning, everybody does their walk. And, and basically, if you see something that's wrong, yeah. you bring it to someone's attention and then and, and we make the adjustments or the repairs to it. Do you have a favorite story? Golf carts getting stolen? Yeah, oh. Okay, go on. Well, we've had uh, golf carts that have been stolen that uh, were 
driven to the McDonald's from here <laughs> on 7th and Long Beach Boulevard. So guys are using yeah. golf carts for whatever construction need, and it just uh, showed up at McDonald's. Well, that's where they caught the guy driving it through the McDonald's. Yeah. Wait, he went yeah. to the drive-thru? Yeah, he went through the drive-thru. He's got a car now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, we've also had uh, recently uh, a uh, golf cart that was stolen that the <laughs> – we're racing down, or right, racing, I guess we're going about 25 miles an hour down the 710 freeway. Oh, nice. That is not the freeway to be driving no. on. There's yeah. a lot of trucks uh, on there, sir. And uh, yeah. the police <laughs> chased them. And yeah, low speed they, chase. Yeah, and they drove the golf cart off into the, the bushes, <laughs> and they, they got away. They oh, went into what? The, <laughs> they went into the, In a golf cart? No, well, oh, no, they, they got out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, but... Uh, the police had uh, the sergeant in charge, who's a very nice guy. Uh, he uh, had two rookies that were working, so he made them drive the golf cart back <laughs> on the freeway while he had his lights on on the freeway, like bringing it back yeah. to where we are. So, yeah. it's like. so Friday race morning, weekend has started. What is your group doing? We're basically making sure that everything's in place by seven o'clock uh, Friday morning. Okay. Uh, so we are the parts time of the track have to be open for pedestrian access uh, that's prior to by, seven. By seven o'clock it's closed. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we start doing our last minute closures on Pine Avenue right. uh, and Shoreline Drive. And, and at to, six to your point, conversely, those parts of the track have to be open prior yes, they to do. seven. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. they do. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, what we do is... Uh, we prep uh, for the event in the sense that we are the timekeepers for the event. Uh, mm. My my department is mm -hmm. uh, in Race Central, and uh, we put together uh, a minute by minute mm -hmm. that basically uh, is uh, how we run our event. And virtually, it is a, a minute by minute uh, timepiece mm -hmm. that uh, our schedule that uh, makes sure that. Everything that has been promised, everything that yeah. is supposed to be scheduled, is done. Yeah. But effectively, Friday through Sunday, you are in Race Central, for lack of a better expression, making sure that all these things that are supposed to happen, that includes not just things on track, but all the various things off track between pedestrian closings and whatnot, that that is all being orchestrated the way it should be. That's correct. Yeah. We've also been told we are not going to be following you during race weekend. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> is that is that a is that a personal choice or is that you just don't want to see what really goes on? I uh, I believe it's a combination of both. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it's going to be amazing, but we're not going to see it. Uh, I hope it's amazing, and I hope you don't see it. <laughs> so. On your side of the weekend, you transfer from going on the build team of the event to driving the pace car. Mm -hmm. That's correct. Okay, cool. Cool. <laughs> Done. Care to elaborate? Way to tell a story, <laughs> yeah, kid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I grew up racing, luckily from him and yeah. stuff, but I was able to obtain, you know, SCCA professional license and, you yeah. know, the NASA and skip barber you know i did mm -hmm. all that stuff so i still have my active license for it so i'm still able to give ride-alongs during the grand prix yeah and it's kind of nice to have be able to build something and then drive yeah. on it 
and it's like i know the track like the back of my hand i mean sure from block to block, to block <laughs> literally yeah, yeah. yeah so it's very familiar to me i'm very familiar with the whole track and mm -hmm. stuff but yeah i transitioned from just doing construction to putting from boots to a race suit yeah and it's i'm pretty lucky for that that's yeah. it's pretty awesome it's really awesome i meet some interesting people and yeah. i got to do some interesting things while doing it and yeah. you're you're that unique being of a of a of a driver that works yes yeah, yeah. unlike that son of a bitch that's johnny cannabis <laughs> <laughs> Funny, I didn't say that. <laughs> oh, we hit a nerve. Can you let go of of the construction side while you're driving, or are you like that banner's out of place, that wall needs to be moved? I actually do notice yeah. things like that. I'm, <laughs> you like, do. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I could do yeah. that a lot better. You're like, wait a second. <laughs> or yeah, if yeah. something wasn't like perfect how I want it, yeah. Yeah, I drive by it and I notice it. And I'm like, man, that bugs me. <laughs> <laughs> No one notices it, but yeah, I know. Hey, 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 yeah, yeah. Like everyone thinks it's perfect, and you it's should like, not work in video. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Um, uh, so, when you're watching a race on TV, Long Beach, um, you know there are track workers, but they're not all from your department. You know, there's safety teams, and some of the volunteers are doing flags and whatnot. But there are still a handful of people from your department that are there for something. It doesn't necessarily happen at other racetracks. Um, this is a temporary track, so at a at a speedway or place like Laguna Seca up north, somebody runs into a wall. That wall's been built in to be relatively fixed. Walls here move. Mm -hmm. uh, and it seems like a big part of the job for the construction crew that stays around during race weekend That's great. Is, is for all of those temporary structure kind of things. Yeah. Well, the, the crew that we put together uh, have the capabilities of not only working on the safety system itself, but also on the grandstands too, or any of our other structures. So they, they serve dual purposes there. Uh, but, uh, no, the, uh, their specific reason that they're there on site, uh, is basically to take care of any needs, uh, uh, during the race, during practice qualifying, during whatever mm -hmm. session, if there's an mm -hmm. incident that requires our, our people to go out there, yeah. which happens because again, we're temporary. Yep. Uh, like you said, the, the walls do move, the yeah. tire pallets do move. Uh, and these guys are, are well-versed in how to quickly mm -hmm. make those types of repairs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So on an average weekend, uh, what are the normal things that will come up for the well, guys in the corners? If we didn't have the stadium trucks there, we wouldn't have any issues at all. But <laughs> I didn't say that. Yes, you did. <laughs> Please, sir. I didn't say that. No, it's, <laughs> it's, it, it would be like any place else. A right. normal race weekend right. where you know, guys do make mistakes. Sure. Guys uh, sure. are basically uh, <laughs> testing the limits and mm -hmm. – uh, you know, we have to come up and clean up the mess after the unit. Right. 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 But it's, the, the job is usually like move the wall back a little bit <laughs> yeah, or, put it back where or it realign the, the tires. Yeah, yeah. Correct. And yeah. Those are the main things that show right. up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. <laughs> Thanks, Robbie. <laughs> yeah. Which, uh, which group caused more damage, the, the stadium trucks or the pro celebrity race? Mm. Celebrity trucks. Celebrity trucks? No. Celebrity trucks? We've got a new that idea. Sounds like you're, I would watch yeah. that. Sounds like you're on to something. <laughs> no, it's actually the trucks. The trucks? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, they're just so much heavier. Yeah. And, and right. they just, right. they go yeah. crazy. I, yeah. I, I think they purposely like to run into things. So. When, when you're on the, uh, you know, I guess I'd say probably like, I don't know if there is a time on a race weekend where you actually relax and go, okay, we're good here. Like we're, we're done. 
Yeah. No. Yeah. It's probably like when the race ends, but then you have to start thinking about taking everything down. Right. But is there a time during the weekend where you can kind of step back and realize like, hey, we put this together again and it's a massive event and then you have a sense of pride about it? Well, it, at seven o'clock Friday morning, if we're ready to go, everything's closed up. That's when I take pride in, in what has been accomplished. Mm-hmm. And then the work really starts again. Uh, you can say when the checker flag falls, but we got six checker flags at our event. Uh, so it, it's, it, it's for me, it's just knowing that at seven o'clock and I'm sitting in uh, race central and I can tell the folks in race control that the track is theirs now, ready to go. And uh, that's when, uh, when I can take a, a big breath, a sigh of relief and say, okay, we're done with uh, making sure that uh, this place is ready to go. Uh, the event's going to start. And uh, then uh, the work again starts for uh, the event. Uh, the activities are taking place on, on that weekend. And then when that's all over with, then it's the, the removal, the strike period. So it's 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 not done until, uh, you know, 18 days after the, the final checker flag falls uh, on the weekend. And then we, we can take a, a step back and uh, gather our thoughts and figure out what the hell we did right, what the hell we did wrong. Yeah. Okay. That, that was actually phenomenal. Um, one thing we didn't hit, which I want to hit uh, because it's not going to be a huge focus, but so... Checkered flag falls. You've opened up the street again on Sunday. You can take like the week off, right? Nice try. No, we uh, the minute the checkered flag drops, we have uh, certain sections of the roadways that we have to have open. But we're also at the same time dropping grandstands. Uh, that night. That night, Sunday night. Like you literally just spent 54 days and then three Grand Prix days mm-hmm. making this event happen, and you don't even get a night. No. To start breaking things down. No. How long do you have until you have to be done? We, uh, by contract, it's uh, 21 days, and uh, we try to do it uh, near 15. Is that just to be done sooner or to make sure you have wiggle room? Uh, It's wiggle room, but uh, it's, for me, time is money. Sure. And uh, we like to be able to take a step back. And if somebody starts to complain about, you know, uh, and we can just say, hey, listen, this is, we, we're, we're given 21 days. Yeah. We did it in 15. Right. What do you so, want? Yeah, are, exactly. Are you concerned that then they'll just say, okay, now you have 15 days? Uh, I'm sure to say that that is already happening. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you did that to yourself. Yeah. You right. left like one block out. Yeah. You're like, That's he'll right. be there tomorrow to get it. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. He'll be there the next day. Yeah. Wow. So uh, my dad was is a racing crew chief and all that before i was born and i followed in his footsteps into the sport and i can think of a bunch of like one-liners he has for like if you've got time to lean you've got time to clean things like that mm-hmm. what are some of the one-liners that this one uses on you i don't think he uses anyone really no is it just damn it jake <laughs> just like throws he, a wrench yeah no he just gives you a look and that's how you know you're in trouble okay right. yeah uh, so your, my dad to this day get your hands out of your pockets because that means you're not working. No, you're not there's doing no one-liners, yeah. right? Nothing like that. What's that? You don't have any one-liners. I uh, clean that up. I'm not smart enough to have one-liners. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think your dad's close to a point of retirement? No, you answer, not him. We already <laughs> asked him. I have no idea. Yeah. You know, he's a workaholic. I got. That. He's a major workaholic, and the workaholics that I've 
come across when they retire they decline rapidly yeah yeah rapidly i think it's just too much of a shock at an older age for them to just go from going go 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 right. to doing nothing and sitting around i mean we go on vacation and you know, goes to hawaii and you're supposed to relax and just you know have a mai tai on the beach he does that for about an hour yeah and then he's like let's go do something yeah. you know he's just always wanting he builds to a racetrack in the parking lot of the hotel yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. you know he's like oh we could do something like this or he sees something and he wants to do it at his house or something <laughs> you know it's but it. yeah he's just is constantly going it's just you know that older generation cut from a different cloth yeah. type of person yeah. and i don't know if he's gonna retire he says it but then sometimes i'm like can't retire what are you gonna do you know what i mean he loves the job too much yeah i mean i think he loves the job too much i have no idea is it like an is it like a kind of a hollow threat where he's like i'm gonna retire if you guys keep doing this to me Anything yeah like that sometimes. yeah yeah like yeah. You're, you're making me so mad i'm gonna retire yeah okay so how long has he been doing that <laughs> for a long time <laughs> since the 80s since 1976 yeah. <laughs> For a long time. So, but yeah, I don't think he'll, I honestly don't think he'll ever retire. Or if he does, it's not going to be fully. He's going to be there. Still have something to do. Still have something to do with it. You know, whether it's just contract work Mm. or, you know, he's just consulting Mm -hmm. or something. He's always going to be tied to it, I feel. Just like Crandall. Yeah. I mean, look at Crandall. That guy's pretty old and he's. Go, 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 go. Yeah. And so, yeah, I don't think they'll retire. Where are you going to be in 10 years? I don't know the future. What do I plan to be? Yeah. I wouldn't mind doing what he's doing. Mm -hmm. But then I had other things I wanted to do. Wanted to do. Why can't you? I was still pursuing him. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to pursue to be a firefighter. Oh, dude! You can yeah, do that. yeah, yeah. So that's what I'm. You're I'm putting like. out fires every day. You work with Richard. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. But yeah, um, that's what I wanted to do. That's still mm-hmm. what I want to do. I'm still pursuing it. Yeah. And it's just hard with the work schedule and yeah, going to do like you know community service or you know training mm-hmm. and everything. It's just because this job is so demanding. Yeah. It's and the time that you get on your own, you're just. You want it to yourself, mm-hmm. you know, the yeah. very little time that you get. Yeah. So, but that's what I've been doing for the past three years now. Yeah. So I've just been going to school for that. Cool. And, you know, EMT and mm-hmm. doing all that sort of thing. But it's hard to get firefighter one cert when you have to take four months off to go do the firefighter right. one cert. Right. And these guys are, yeah, know, yeah right. Going right. balls to the wall at work, yeah. you know, and I yeah. just don't want to like leave them doing that Mm -hmm. so but yeah that's my goal cool if everything plans out mate firefighter Mm -hmm. but you always have to have something to fall back on sure sure. and i wouldn't mind doing what he's doing because what do you think he wants i know what he wants what does he want i don't know i don't know i don't know i don't know know. what do you want yeah yeah. what do i want what for him I'd like to see him uh, become a firefighter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And there are a number of reasons. I mean, it's the benefits. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. Uh, the camaraderie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The calendars. The calendars. Yeah. 
being on pole is okay there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're going to work. Yeah. 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 All right. All right. Uh, so people are, uh, you know, people that are watching this episode are watching to learn about what the Grand Prix of Long Beach is, the history, and then yeah. more importantly, how this race actually happens. You've hated every second of us being here. Um, having sacrificed as much as you have to tolerate interviews like this, what is the takeaway you're hoping people get from this? First of all, I would hope that they understand that we work more than three days out of the week, I mean, out of the year. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but really uh, to understand the the team effort that is required to put this event together, um, there are uh, a lot of people that uh, we don't quite understand that it's not just one individual, not two individuals, not just three, but it's a total team effort. Mm -hmm. uh, again, if we fall short, if one individual falls short, the whole event falls short. Um, and we've been very lucky in that. Uh, uh, the president of our company has been able to keep uh, uh, a team together over a large number of years. Mm -hmm. The same people that have been around forever. Uh, you know, it, we're we're a happy family. Uh, does that mean that we all get along all the time? Hell no. Yeah. Okay. But that that's like being part of a family. You know, you just sometimes you don't see eye to eye on on certain things. But uh, you know, I just hope that. Uh, people will understand that uh, this event is a, a total team effort not just with the the, the people that are employed by the Grand Prix mm -hmm. but uh, the people that are are, are, are part of uh, what we consider the family the city mm -hmm. the convention center uh, all the uh, subcontractors that we use uh, to supply a service to us uh, and all the volunteers I mean, with, we have a huge volunteer Massive. corps yep. uh, that without those folks, you know, th this event wouldn't happen. So you can't just take, you know, and, and remove one of those entities. Mm -hmm. You remove one of those, enemy, uh, uh, those entities, it's like taking a brick out of a foundation. Mm -hmm. It's going to crumble sooner or later. So and how about, they understand that. How about you, Jake? What would you hope somebody would take away from this? From the, what would you hope someone takes away from just watching what Long Beach is in this episode? What it really takes to throw on an event that, to this magnitude, yeah. and the politics to the man hours to the event actually going on to actually taking it down. Yeah. It's 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 pretty crazy. What I don't think people realize, you know, they show up to events whether it's a concert or a race mm -hmm. or something. I don't think anyone really actually sits back and thinks what people did to actually put this on yeah it's it's a lot of work it's mm -hmm. a, it's hard i mean it doesn't you know it's not some walk in the park job at all yeah. whatsoever i mean it's time schedules and a lot of moving parts from logistics to management mm -hmm. to volunteers like he said it's so i just would hope that people would respect what we do and what you know people like us do to entertain the world around us so that's what i would say if you could describe the long beach grand prix in one word what would it be unbelievable amazing say amazing
some bread with a muggle. They said I would've made it. Now they looking puzzled. They said I wouldn't take it. How to go on hustle? Get the bag, it ain't never get a fumble. In the jack, but we came up from the bottom. Through the cracks that the light pour in. Have a blast, got the drinks pour in. Take a risk like it's a short thing. Going in, yeah, I'm going all in. Getting fooled out, yeah, you can bring your friend. Dive right in, let's go. Be I, just you wait. It's a new day. Ride in the storm like a new wave. 